0: All right, this episode of Tuna on Toast on the road in Vegas at Blue Wire Studios is all happening thanks to Velvet Hammer Music and Management Group. They manage our friends in AFI and Corn and Deftones and System of a Down and Avenge Sevenfold, and they love Tuna on Toast, and they have for a long time. To them, it doesn't matter who the guest is. They just said, "Striker, continue with these episodes. We love the art. We chase greatness, so keep putting them out. And that's what I'm doing. Thank you, Velvet Hammer. Now let's get to another episode. Your name is Striker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Tel- All right, welcome to another episode of Tune On Toast. It is Ted Stryker. I want to keep this intro pretty quick so we can get to our guest, M Shadows. I just landed back in L.A. from Vegas about 90 minutes ago. I'm back in the guest bedroom at home, the Tune On Toast studio. This interview you're about to hear, we did this Saturday morning. The morning of Sick New World Festival in Las Vegas at Blue Wire Studios, which is at the Wynn Hotel. Beautiful studios. Absolutely loved it. But keep the setting in mind. Imagine the setting. It's Saturday morning in Vegas. It's maybe 14 hours after Avenged Sevenfold played their very first show in five years. It took place at a location called Area 15, which is absolutely awesome. The performance was fantastic. Everything about it, I got chills, the goosebumps, just felt there was so much camaraderie. And here's another thing I want to throw to you. Oh, by the way, you can watch this episode as well. You can see the Daft Punk M shirt is wearing because I bring up the shirt and we talk Daft Punk. And there's a lot of great nuggets in this episode. But if you would have asked me 20 plus years ago, Stryker... Uh, you're very lucky to get to meet so many different musicians only because of my job that I know that and I get to interview them and it's super exciting. But who do you think will be at the top of your list for those that you bond with the most? I would have never in a million years said M shadows, not because I didn't think he and they were great, but something has gone on. And like the last five years, I just feel really, really connected to the guy. Now I don't know if he's going to say the same for me, He just has that quality where I want to listen to what he is saying. I feel very inspired when he is speaking. I love how goal-oriented he is and the band. The guy is incredibly generous, and he's a very, very, very smart guy. The new album... Life is but a dream. Avenged Sevenfold drops June 2nd. Of course, we're doing a couple of festivals and a tour. So without any further ado, let's just get to it. And by the way, I just want to thank you guys for spreading the word on Tune on Toast. Uh, it's an independent podcast. We do the best we can to get our content up as fast as we can. Please review my podcast and rate it and go watch it on YouTube and subscribe and tell your friends. Now, without any further ado, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas. Here's M Shadows. Hello, M Shadows. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. How the heck are you feeling today? The show was 12 hours ago.
1: Yeah, I feel good. Um, You know, first show in five years, so we had to uh, get that one out of the way and just kind of feel it out again. It was very nerve-wracking and weird, but it felt at home after the first 10 minutes or so. It did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in the beginning, it's just like uh, just frenetic uh, anxiety. You want to pop out of your skin because you're just trying to figure out, what is this thing I used to do?
0: Right. And it's so, but it came back to you that fast, just after five, 10 minutes. It
1: came back pretty quickly where it was like, okay, just got to settle in. It's all good. The fans are here. Everyone's having a good time. This is not that serious. You know, so uh, yeah, just kind of putting some sort of like perspective on it, you know, on stage and kind of quickly trying to calm down.
0: What I find impressive and want to know how it works for you, you've got the show to do, but there's so many other things going on in your mind, getting the record done, the business side of the things, but at the end of the day, it's about their performance on the stage. Yeah. So how did you get yourself to that place with the guys over the last, I don't know, month or two for this performance?
1: Well, the guys have been working really hard, you know, on their own, um, at their houses. And then obviously a lot of programming and things with the crew and getting them all caught up on what the record sounds like what we're trying to do and then working with a production team to kind of put everything together so that the old songs don't stand out so much to the new stuff that we're trying to do and last night was you know the show with no production it was just just the the music but when we're moving forward here um it's a lot of rehearsals we've been in vegas for the last week Mm. rehearsing every day just the music part. And then, you know, we do a couple festivals coming up. Then we go back for another week before the form. And that's going to be full production, trying to make everything make sense. So it's a lot of work and everyone, you know, especially sin, he's been doing tons of work on the programming side. And what I mean by programming is like everything from vocal effects and guitar effects that change and like boost when the solos come up and tones that change, he's figured out a way to program that all. So that all happens on a timestamp, which is crazy, but right but then when you, but then you got to think these are computers you're dealing with. And then when you send, you know, you're trying to make sure you have a backup computer, but when you save that, it reverts the other stuff. And like, so he's been going through like hell and, uh, but he's got it under control now, but it's just a lot of work. And then, and then on the other part you were talking about, you know, yeah, there's the merchandise side, there's the area 15 listening party. There's getting the record done, the vinyl, the tapes, the (laughs) it's like, it's really overwhelming. But at the end of the day, you know, like there's a part of you that just enjoys getting in the shower and singing the songs and practicing your performance and practicing what you're going to do two, three hours a day. And just it kind of takes you back to that earthy raw. This is, this is what you do. Right. right. And then everything else is kind of like, you got to have good management, which we do. Um, the people at velvet hammer and then just let them kind of handle a lot of it.
0: How'd you feel playing the new songs live last night? Because I think you did three, you did yep. game over, we love you and nobody. Yeah. How'd you feel those went better than
1: expected? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I felt there was so much energy on them and, and I think part of it is it was a good feeling because part of being a musician, one thing that you get, like some people are hyper aware of it and some aren't. We're hyper aware of nostalgia and getting stuck. And then also like audience capture where people want something of you, the way you look, the way you sound, the way you live your life, the way you speak, the ideas that you have. And I believe you have to be completely free or you'll be captured by expectations of people. And for us, the new music, the vibe on stage was different. And when you go out there and play it, you want to have this like fresh feeling. And it felt fresh. Good. The fans were responding. Like, we love you that trancy 808, like I like, felt like a dance party and the song had just come out that morning. Right, and, and I saw
0: people singing along to it. Yeah,
1: so like to me, it's like that's, that's a good sign because what you start seeing is like bands, not only will they veer away from new stuff live because they're worried about, they want that like pure energy set list, but they also start like allowing the fan base to kind of dictate, you know, like I paid money, I want to see all the hits. It's like, well, there's bands like Metallica and Iron Maiden that continually play new stuff and they reinvent themselves. And it pisses people off, but it allows them to be interested in what they're doing. You can't get anybody and tell them you're going you're gonna to program the computer or you're going to sing the same songs you did 23 years ago and you better be happy doing it. i just be happy that you can't do it. So new music, you want it to go over well. So it was very exciting for us to see the response because I think they want it too. But you have to give them something compelling that they want to listen to. You have to challenge them in a way.
0: Yes. And you're challenging yourself at the same time. It sounds like to not go back to everything you were talking about. Like you have to be forward moving for yourself Yes, and bring the fans along with you for this ride.
1: Yes. And and if you're having fun, they're going to have more fun, right? right? If you're, if you're super, I would, I don't even know how I'd feel if we had to go up there and play all of our old songs after five years being off, I would be like, I would feel like I'm stuck in the mud. I would be like, what am I doing? You know, like, uh, and and it's not anything against those songs. Those were written by 20 year olds, right? Or 25 year olds or whatever it was. We're not those people anymore, but I can appreciate it. As long as you let me have my, my cake too. Right. I want, I want to do new stuff. And I think the fans, I think the fans that are engaged, highly engaged do too. But I think as an artist, you need to give them something compelling and challenging so that they feel like they're growing, that you're growing with them and you're not just growing away from
0: them. I love that. You are in a Daft Punk shirt. Yes. I have listened to the full length album without even knowing that you own this Daft Punk shirt. I sent you a text that a couple of yeah. the songs feel to me in the most complimentary way that maybe the Daft Punk guys could put a Ram two album out and you would be featured on it. And I love the new songs. So is there any inspiration from Daft Punk then? Yeah. It's like, it's
1: really the record obviously is rooted in some sort of, raw, earthy, metallic, rock, metal, whatever you want to call it, abrasiveness. But the, the, the things that we were really pulling from were, and, and it's so weird because, you know, I was talking to, to Pete Wentz years ago about this when, I, when we loved the Kid See ghost record that Kanye and Kid Cudi did. And we were talking about um, um, a song called Free. And he was saying that he had talked to them and they were saying that they were trying to channel Led Zeppelin. And so they had these Led Zeppelin drums. It was their interpretation of Led Zeppelin. But I thought they did some really cool things with it. Um, And so I had an interpretation of their interpretation, right? And so when I listen to, like, things like that or, like, the Yeezus record or Daft Punk or Rammstein or any of these bands that are just off the grid, there's, like, a a reinterpretation of what they're doing but with this, like, sort of heavy metal Mm. flag. Yeah. And I think what you're hearing, obviously, is, like, A lot of daft punk a lot of this kind of you know not being afraid to use technology in a really grounded way like vocoders and and like this sort of funk and this sort of like nile rogers sort of like feel and groove and not being afraid that just because you're a metal band it shouldn't have groove like groove is rad and if you can kind of like be very back and forth with it and really create something that's compelling so yeah, Daft Punk was a huge influence and, and you totally called it out and it was right on okay, for sure. Okay, good,
0: good, good. Tracks 8, 9, and 10. The album comes out June 2nd. When you're watching this, it may already be out, but I want to ask about track 8, 9, and 10. 8 is called G, 9 is Ordinary, parenthesis around the O. 10 is Death, parenthesis around the D. Yeah. G-O-D. Like yeah. everyone's going to know that, right? Will yeah. they get that straight away? I think so. Okay, all right. <laughs> we love parentheses for them. <laughs> like I'm no genius here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. or it just could be O D if you don't put the G yeah. in there.
1: No G's in there. Okay. G's in there. And that, that obviously you've heard it. It's um three vastly different styles, right? It's um, yes, yes, yes. But it's also, um, it was influenced by, you know, sicko mode by Travis Scott, which we were listening to. And it's got that Drake verse in the beginning and it cuts off right when you're like about to get into it, it goes into another song and then it cuts off again. And, and we were like, man, three songs in one is kind of cool. It's very like this ADHD kind of society we live in. And, I was noticing I was enjoying shorter records more recently. And so we wanted to do something where we weren't giving you, you know, an eight minute Frank Sinatra song. Mm. We we're giving you like a wizard of Oz meets Frank Sinatra for two minutes. And then something else that was Daft Punk asked for two minutes and the concept lyrically G O D, you know, you've got God who's like the the God that most people think of when they think of God, like he's super bummed on all of us. He's like, ah, uh, I didn't do very good, good with this one. I want to kind of wipe him out. Yeah. Um, they're super fans, not into it. And so he deletes them and then AI comes up in O, which is very like robotic, (laughs) which is kind of got the funk Daft Punk feel. Um, and then that's like the robot going like, am I human? Am I really feeling things? Am I just programmed? What is this? And then it goes into D, which is much more existential and sad, but it's kind of this mundane life that someone can't find freedom until they end their own life. Um, and it's something that a lot of people go through. Um, and it's a dark issue, but we don't ever talk about it but everyone has had that moment where they sit in their bed at night and they wonder what the heck am I doing here? Right. And they, and they have these deep thoughts and it goes like, and I'm going to, I'm not going to exist forever. And that's scary. Everything you've ever known is not going to exist. And so trying to put that into a two minute package and wrapping it up in this whole idea that we call God, right? Like it could be all these different things. So um, it's a vague term, but it's got a lot of different like elements there.
0: There's a song called Cosmic on the album, yep. which don't quote the exact time, but roughly seven to eight minutes long. My first two listens through the album, it's in my top two favorite songs. Appreciate it. I love it. Is there potential where that will be played live at your shows?
1: Oh yes. Oh I really? Mean, we're not going to play it in the first round here, but we will play it because we've noticed that we were doing this listening party, um, at Area 15, and uh, our our videographer Rafa was out there, and he said everybody's freaking out about Cosmic. (laughs) And so it's going to be one of those things where, you know, like there's been songs in our catalog that we never really made singles. One is a little piece of heaven and it just becomes such a big song by the fans that it, it supersedes anything. You could have put it on the radio or do whatever, but the fans made it big. Afterlife's another one where it was never really a single. And then it just became huge. And I think Cosmic is turning out to be, something that the fans might want to hear live. So awesome! I can't wait to play it. We've practiced it. We've played it. It feels great. Ooh. Yeah. It feels great.
0: When you practice a song like that for the first time, listen, you've been in a studio and it takes hours and hours, if not days, maybe a month. What is it like? The, is there a super frustration level uh, ever or is it pretty easy to do something that like that live straight up?
1: You know, when it, when it starts coming together and you're in it, it feels really satisfying. Cause you're like hearing it for the first time, like really feeling it and really, you know, really imagining it. And like, you've only heard the version that you have and now you're hearing a different version and there's all these things you can do with it. And it's fun, man, to hear the real drums and hear it all in person. It's great.
0: Uh, Is it a a conscious decision to end the record with that beautiful instrumental? And if you let it play and go to the first song, it puts you in kind of a similar mood, but there's a ton of feelings involved going from the last song to the very first song.
1: Yeah. I think um, it was a happy mistake. You know, um, it was something that we noticed was happening and it was awesome, but it wasn't something that we were like super dialed in on. It was just kind of like, we wanted to end the record, like end of life. Life is but a dream. This is like 80 years old, looking back on your life and either being extremely satisfied and filled with love or being extremely Um, regretful or being extremely confused, you know, about where you're going next. And um, we felt that was like this kind of pondering bed. Yeah. And then, but then, yeah, as it goes on and it starts over, you know, you notice that game over is like kind of beginning of life when it starts up and it's like, okay, everything's being given to you. Here we go. Like beautiful, beautiful day, sun's out, you know, the, the, the daisies are, are all here. And then Um, and so it's kind of this cycle that I think is a great metaphor for what we're all dealing with.
0: When you look back at yourself, let's go 15 years, not as a professional, as a person, how similar or different are you today?
1: I'm the same person with a complete, um, awareness on how toxic ego can be and how much it lets our actions be driven by it. Um, And when you're young and you don't have any sort of um, disconnection between self and ego and like having any sort of like observation of your thoughts, you just do. And you kind of just, you, you feel like you have no control. Um, And as you get older, if you can find out you have control, I can observe that same person as me, but I have control. And now I can make a, a choice of how I want to react to certain situations. So the young me would have just reacted and, didn't matter what the consequences were. You know, if someone says something you're going to fight them or you're going to do this, or you're going to be mad and angry. And, um, and you, and you react a lot and ego drives a lot of that. But if you can step back from that, then the me now is always kind of one, one step behind that watching my feelings play out so I can make a choice.
0: So same person, but a different perspective. I totally get that. Speaking of small people, Your kids were at the show last night, and if I haven't said it yet, and I'm sorry if I haven't, the show was fantastic. Thank you. I got the goosebumps walking in there. It was, it felt like I was at home. And the people that were watching, you brought your enthusiasm, and they had theirs. And it's like,
1: man, I love. I think we
0: all needed this right now.
1: Yeah, it felt great. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. But your kids being there, can you just please, like, I, it seems like if a professional baseball player finally has a son or daughter who's old enough to go to the game, what was it like for you?
1: It was incredible. And, you know, I had listened to a, a Sam Harris podcast just before, and and it was interesting because it really spoke to me. He was talking about, um, yeah, you know, like think of somebody in your life that you love and you don't know how many moments you're going to have with them. So make sure that, you know, when you go see them today, that, that you are doing everything you can to let them know that you love them. And that, that really stuck with me because I just wanted them to feel what was going on. I wanted them to come on stage. I wanted them to feel the energy because all they've ever known is dad on YouTube or dad like is in the studio or dad's with uncle Brian and they're messing with something in there and they're making songs and dad's singing them in the shower. Cool. (laughs) You know, like, and, uh, to actually go to a show and see it, my son cash who's eight was crying. Um, and it was like, it was emotional, man. It was cool. And it's great that they get to see what dad does because the last time we played, River was five, and Cash was, you know, three.
0: Wow. So eight
1: and ten now, it's like, oh, this is what dad does. Like, okay, it's real. So it's great.
0: Was there any possibility last night that the show was going to be delayed because the Lakers game was on? Yes.
1: <laughs> I was trying to get the Lakers game on the, uh, the teleprompter, and uh, that, that couldn't happen. So, you know, we're obviously all huge Laker fans, and we couldn't believe when they didn't win game – five and we had to go to game six and it was
0: smoked in game five
1: yes and and so i'm sitting there going like (laughs) this thing's really happening at like the fourth quarter is going to start when we're on stage so we were all pretty bummed on that and it was actually affecting me and i i thought like i was thinking like this isn't really going to affect me like but like all day i was like angry about it like god like why um so i got word that we won yeah made it great so yeah
0: Uh, During the show, you guys stopped completely because uh, one of your fans had something happen. Maybe the heat, they passed out. I think we've all seen over the last five years, that's probably the right move to do. What did you see? What was your mindset that second?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I talked about this once before. I think there's constantly people trying to get you stop shows sometimes. You know, you might have one friend next to him or this or that. and You can't do it all the time. But this was a situation where I noticed there was a large portion of the audience with their hands in the air, trying to get our attention. And when that is the case, you, you usually know there's somebody on the ground that shouldn't be moved, right? Someone's either knocked out, neck could be broken, something could be happening. Um, and you want to stop the show as soon as possible to make sure that, because the music, none of that stuff's important when it comes to like a human that could have something drastically happen to them. that's going to affect the rest of their lives. So just stopped the show, got them out of there and then moved on. Yeah. Uh, I think they're fine.
0: That was good. Um, how is your voice feeling today? Cause there's practicing, but then there's performing.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um my voice feels great. Good, um, good, good, good. I, yeah. I definitely use the mindset of like live to fight another day. You know, there's there's elements of the old me that would have tried to push really, really hard through that set. Um, there's elements I didn't love about how my voice felt, and there's elements that I loved. Um, things to go work on. I think the thing about life is it's so impermanent, right? And it's like, um, but if you give yourself the option to live the fight another day and work on the things that you need to work on, the feeling of being out there, the larynx comes up a little bit, things start, you want to push a little bit cause you're, you're excited and that's just, you know, getting back into it and calming down. It's like anything, you know, I can imagine going out and being in an NBA game and just shooting it way over the basket, you know, or, <laughs> or being super short, you know, like uh, it's a, it's a thing that you have to get used to. You have to get into a groove. It's getting to get into a vibe. And, um, So for me, it's just, it's just this impermanence of life and it's working on this thing. This can always be fixed. Mm -hmm. You can always get it going. You just have to make sure that you're in the right mindset and you, and you take it slow and get in there. So voice feels good today. Good. Didn't hurt myself. Good. I'm ready for the next one. And like, I've got, I've got work to do, you know, everyone's got work to do. And I think there's things that Brian didn't love about his playing and there's Mm -hmm. things that Brooks wants to work on. And that's, that's what people don't understand online. Like they, it's always like either you're good or you're great. And it's going to be like that forever. Like no, we work really hard on our stuff, and we're gonna watch that show back, and we're gonna see what we didn't love, and we're gonna work on it. We're gonna get better at it. Is I that know. something
0: you do often? Is watch one show and then say, you know, we can do this better or this better? Yeah, I do. Really, I do. Why?
1: I don't. I don't treat this as like a singing is a passion of mine, and I want to go out there. Last night, I would give myself a six out of how how what I know I can do. Mm. Right. And I think the band played great. I give it an eight, but I want to get that to a 10. When you're playing live, you want to get it to a, a you want people to see what you can do. And um, that's just going to take repetition. It's going to take getting out there and feeling it and knowing where things were breaking down, like what parts were breaking down, where notes were coming from that shouldn't be where they're coming from. And so that's just, but that's just my analytical brain. I want to, I want to know what's going on. I don't want to right. just go, oh, well, hopefully next time it's better. You know, like that's not how I roll.
0: Cause I think, and I, this happens in my bubble, which is a million times smaller. I think I did a really good job. I'm like, boy, oh boy, I'm the best. And then I go watch and I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. And so the reason why I had that reaction when you said you go watch yourself, I hate watching myself because it's uncomfortable. Cause it's you uncomfortable. have to fit. It's honesty right there. Yeah. You know?
1: And there's like a lot of parts, like when it gets really soft in our set that I notice I get flat mm. and like I I try to figure out ways to fix that, right? So like, I'll have our monitor guy put a piano note in there. And so I'll sing to the piano note instead of the guitars because the guitars might have an overtone and drop D that take me to where I think I'm in key, but I'm not, right? I'm hearing it wrong. So like, it's little things like that. Like, why am I flat there? I didn't Mm -hmm. think I was flat, but it's like, okay, that's happening consistently. Give me a piano note and I'm going to sing to that. And then, oh, that fixed it, right? So it's like little things, but it's uncomfortable because you got to sit there and watch and go like, right? and then you got to see the comments (laughs) and they're like, (laughs) so flawed, <laughs> this idiot's tone deaf. And it's like,
0: come on. Yeah,
1: yeah, so it's like, it's one of those things where you really have to be free of all sort of criticism and just be your own worst critic and just know what you need to work on.
0: Last two things, then yeah. we'll get you out of here. Sick New World is today. Mm-hmm. The doors opened. You went at noon today? Yes, I did. And who'd you see? I wanted to see Scene Queen. Um,
1: she interests me a lot. i like music that's really abrasive and causes some sort of controversy and, and she is doing something cool to me. Um, and I wanted to go check it out. I've never met her. I've interacted with her a little bit on Twitter. Um, but I wanted to go at 12, 10 and I got up early, got over there. Um, I loved it. It was fun. Um, and then I've got a list of bands I want to see tonight. I think we have like the same list pretty much, but you know, spirit box, turnstile, they play at the same time, but I'm going to kind of will toggle. Right. Right. And then, um, hundred gex is one of my favorite groups right now. Um, absolutely love hundred gex. going to check out that whole set and then we'll obviously see, you know, deftones and corn and system.
0: That's going to be um, like that hitting our hitting us over the head yep. with a hammer one after another right 100%. there. And right off your show last night, what a weekend this is in Vegas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's why we did it this weekend. Right. Cause we knew people were going to be in town. um, and just give them something to do. I remember last year or not last year, but I don't know. Were you here for um, um, when we were young festival?
0: I was here, but then the day I was supposed to go got the weather canceled. That's right. So
1: I was here too. (laughs) And then bring me the horizon played at the Pearl. Okay. And I remember how exciting that was. And I love bring me. And I I went and got tickets and we went and saw them at the Pearl. And I was like, I want to do something like that where we don't announce this thing till the day before day of or whatever. And, um, you know, I did tell Ryan Harlacher, I want 500 people and, (laughs) 3,000
0: people, but, you know, don't, don't ever let a booking agent, uh, too much leash, you know? So listen, you had the show last night. You're going back today. Thank you for your generosity and just being so nice to me over the years, man.
1: I I love you striker. Thank
0: you. Thank you. M shadows. Congratulations on last night. Thank you. Life is but a dream. The album is fantastic. 4 M, we're going to wrap it up here for the day at Blue Wire Studios. Tuna on toast on the road. That's M. I'm Stryker. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye.
1: That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better.
0: Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe.